0: Protection, Goff gets hit, passes, caught, touchdown, Detroit, Josh Reynolds. 52 yards now, down the middle, caught, touchdown, Jimmy Graham. Good snap, good hold, good kick, goodbye. Bears win it, and the five-game losing streak is over. You know, I've been very vocal about the Lions, and thanksgiving in my opinion that maybe they shouldn't be playing on thanksgiving maybe that island game with that many eyeballs is not really in the interest of the greater good and i've had pushback from people on twitter and other places that say how dare you how dare you even bring that up why would you take that away from the lions or want to take that away from the lions it's they, Lions fans have nothing. Uh, why would you want to take the only thing they do have? You're a Jets fan. How dare you? To which I say, maybe you have not been thinking of it the right way. Perhaps taking Thanksgiving away from the Lions is for the greater good of Detroit. Maybe that would make Thanksgiving better. Maybe... Moving the lines to the Sunday of the holiday weekend saves the state of Michigan. Think about it. Dan Hans is here. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. One of my favorite days of the year. It's about friends. It's about family and being together. And I like to be with you, the listeners, um, to talk about the first game of the Thanksgiving schedule. We got three games to talk about. And the way we decided to do it as a group was split it up. So the old Zeuser will talk Bears-Lions. Uh, Mark Sessler will take Raiders-Cowboys. And then Greg will bring up the rear and handle Bill Saints from the Superdome being played tonight, 8.20 p.m. Eastern. So that is the setup. And let me get into this game. And this, this first game is going to be remembered, of course, for what happened at the end. I mean, that is an otherwise forgettable game between two bad teams, one of them winless, the Bears on a five-game losing streak and with a coach who is one foot out the door would not even accurately sum it up. I would say it's both feet, half his torso, his entire head. It's like an arm still in the door as head coach, but he's still there now, and he gets the win. And he looks good because Dan Campbell looks so bad. Let's just talk about it. It is third and nine for the Bears, who had fallen behind fourteen to thirteen on a Lions touchdown late in the third quarter. Uh, but they marched down the field, uh, burn up most of the fourth quarter clock. But the Lions are in pretty good shape here. They're still up a point. It's a third and long for Chicago. Knowing the way that team operates on offense, they're probably playing for the field goal. Let's face it, probably a pass short, maybe even a run. Who knows? They kick the field goal and then ask their defense to close the game out. And then Jared Goff gets to come back on the field and maybe magic happens and everybody in Detroit at that building in Ford Field get to go home happy. But you got to get off the field first. It's third and nine at the line 16, 154 on the clock. The Lions have two timeouts. They call one. They stop the clock. Then Andy Dalton comes back to the line, and then that's when things get screwy because the Bears call another timeout. It's granted by the officials. They're not supposed to grant uh, a timeout back-to-back because you're not allowed to do that. But if an official does grant that timeout and it stops play, you have to assess a five-yard penalty. Terrible. Back-to-back timeouts called by the Lions. You can't make this stuff up. Twitter on fire. Lions fans booing um, in the stadium At their homes. So a 3rd and 9 becomes a 3rd and 4. That's manageable. And guess what happens? Dalton converts. First down pass. And they then do what they need to do. To run out the clock. Cairo Santos, as you heard, through the uprights. As time expires, 16-14. Chicago moves to 4-7. and And their 5-game losing streak. The Detroit Lions are now 0-10-1. And then... I don't know. I mean... We all love Dan Campbell. The Lions fans love Dan Campbell. I mean, you, you he's really engendered a lot of goodwill, goodwill uh, because of his passion and his humanity uh, and his high-energy nature. He's really everything that Matt Patricia was not. Uh, that was a dour guy that did not inspire um, passion or confidence um, from the people that he coached. Campbell's not that guy, and that's why – you know, Jimmy Johnson said in the pregame show, you know, when he took over the Cowboys, that was a team that did not have um, passion. Uh, it didn't have talent. Uh, he got one side of it up and then they, he let Jerry Jones uh, t- build the roster out and that's how they became a winner. So the idea that there's chemistry in that building with Dan Campbell at the front, that's all good. But you can't have things like this happen because these are the type of losses that people remember Th- these are the type of losses that make you think maybe this guy is not suited for the big chair uh as a head coach because that is grim back-to-back timeouts and you because it becomes comical i mean that is and as a jets fan i know what that's like this is the same guy that 9 years ago thanksgiving night uh watched with horror as the butt fumble um unfolded before my eyes uh it's it's one thing to be a a fan of a bad team. It's another thing when you're a fan of a bad team that also kind of embarrasses you and becomes the butt of jokes, the butt fumble of jokes. Uh, and that's what the lines were on Twitter immediately after this game. So it's just, a, it's a bummer all the way around for Detroit. Uh, if you're a Bears fan, hey man, you get a win. You get a win. That's nice. Andy Dalton filling in for Justin Fields. He's a very good backup quarterback. I, Dalton is probably going to hit free agency again. And he's going to look to get that one last chance as a starter. I don't know if that's really his trajectory going forward as a someone's full time starter. But if if he ends up being more in this mode, uh, he could be the one of the better backups in the league for several years. I really believe that he he is quality quarterback. He threw for three hundred yards, averaged over eight yards per attempt, had a touchdown pass, did have an interception as well in the end zone. It was not pretty, but in general, I think he did very well in a backup capacity, and got no help from his running game. The Bears, 29 carries for 68 yards. That's 2.3 yards per clip. He did get help from Darnell Mooney, who has stepped up and emerged. Allen Robinson has been banged up and out of the game plan all season long, so the Bears desperately need someone else to emerge, and Darnell Mooney has. He was 5 for 123 in this game. Cole Komet had a nice game. Uh, Jimmy Graham had his touchdown. Jimmy Graham is going to be good for three touchdowns and about 144 yards receiving uh to you know 144 to 295 um every year uh for the next like 12 to 13 years and then he'll retire at age 58 and people be like oh wow Jimmy Graham that was a pretty long career he played for 30 years huh that's strange uh so the bears get the win they lost Roquan Smith uh Two, I believe, a hamstring injury, so that's not good. And, and the bad news keeps coming uh, for the Lions as well because they lost DeAndre Swift with what looked like a very painful shoulder injury. Uh, he left the game in the first half, did not return. So we'll see what his long-term status is. I know if you're tracking DeAndre Swift, uh, you're either a Lions fan or you're a fantasy manager, uh, knowing the uh, playoffs are right around the uh, bend, and that is not good. He did not look Uh, like he was um, feeling too hot. Uh, Football players, it's a tough game, especially when you have to turn around on Thursday. So that's where we're at. The Lions, again, they play hard. They play hard every week, but you got to find a way to win some of these games, and they're just not finding a way. And when you compound loss after loss after loss after loss with the type of spotlight game here and the spotlight moment of the Lions looking inept, and unorganized and not sharp uh like they did late in this game well it's tough it's tough but i hope the people of uh detroit and the greater detroit era area still have a great thanksgiving and um everyone else as well it is my honor uh to do this show and to do this podcast and to connect with all you guys so thank you to everybody now let's reset As I said, this is just the first game of a triple header. Up next, we have Mark Sessler talking the middle game on the schedule. That is the Raiders against the Cowboys. Do or die for the Raiders, it feels like. Uh, And then Greg on Saints. Bills. But like I said, Mark Sessler, take it away. Quiet storm. I know he had. Mark said he was having an apple for his solo Thanksgiving feast. So I don't know if he's had the apple yet. Uh, or if that comes after the game, like he treats himself. I have no idea how he plays that, but God bless Mark as well. Um, after these highlights, you will hear from the quiet storm. All right, everybody. Pass play down the middle to go, and it's there. That's Deshaun Jackson tiptoeing the touchdown from the 32 second and nine down the field they go and it is a touchdown to Dalton Schultz as both teams have so much on the line with one kick here we go this time for real and it is delivered good the Raiders
1: win it well, and those were just some of the moments from a game just packed with moments a game that morphed into really nothing short of a thriller here on Thanksgiving Thursday in America as the Las Vegas Raiders top the Dallas Cowboys 36-33 to 33 in overtime. Thank you, Dan Hansis. This is Mark Sessler. Let's go through this game. Let's kind of unpack it to some degree. Um, we could spend 55 minutes on it if we want. I think they want me to do this in about seven. So uh, we'll do the Cliff Notes version if we can. Um, I want to start in overtime, though. You know, Dallas wins the toss. They're backed up. Essentially, deep in their own territory, they're at their own seven. They get into a third and four situation, and it really became, I thought, the first ill-advised throw of Dak Prescott in the entire second half into overtime. And he just was lights out down the stretch, but missed Noah Brown, a reserve wideout, on third and four. Underthrew him, flat out, just kind of underthrew him a little bit off target. They have to punt the ball. The Raiders get it back. And I wanted to mention this because it wasn't just driving down the field to kick the game-winning field goal by Daniel Carlson that we just heard. It was on a third and 18 after a big Micah Parsons sack on Derek Carr that could have been you know, the highlight we would play. Instead, it was Anthony Brown, Cowboys cornerback, getting flagged for his fourth pass interference of the game. And this theme, each of them were big. They happen on third downs and they cost Dallas points. And if you're Anthony Brown, I I just, I, you almost like, I watch a player like that on an island game like this on Thanksgiving. And you just want to run away. You want to get in your car and drive to like deep Mexico. If that's him, I maybe think about doing that, but look at it. it. wasn't just on him, but the Dallas Cowboys mistakes were indicative of something much larger that happened in this game. The zebras, the refs, the umpire guys, these dudes, I don't know what was up with these people, but the the officials in this game were about as camera-hungry and attention-seeking as one could imagine. Uh, they threw no less than 14 penalties on both teams, 28 flags total for 200, an outrageous 276 yards. And so many of them came on pass interference penalties. And Anthony Brown, who had four of them, as I mentioned, in this game, all of them on critical third and longs, Third downs, um, an early one where Deshaun Jackson caught him on a deep route right into deep Dallas territory near the goal line, set up a quick Raiders touchdown. I mean, that was on him. You know, it was Deshaun Jackson who opened the scoring earlier with a 56-yard catch and run. I mean, looked great on that. You know, they, they only got him a couple weeks ago. If he can do that for him every game, it helps a lot after the loss of Henry Ruggs. No way around it. Uh, Hunter Renfro had a huge 54-yard catch late in this one as well. They really, I think, tired out the Dallas defense. They owned the ball for nearly 40 minutes. And it wasn't your typical run the ball left and right. This team cannot run the ball, the Raiders. But it was big shots. That's who they are. And Dallas let them back in over and over. But Dallas's offense as well got very hot down the stretch. It was not easy out of the gate. And You don't have Amari Cooper. Uh, there's no C.D. Lamb, So your passing game, obviously, if you're Dallas, was completely changed coming into this. It helped to have Tyron Smith back at left tackle. But I thought they came out doing what we thought they'd do, which was try to run the ball with Zeke Elliott, with Tony Pollard. And, you know, Zeke Elliott wasn't really the primary guy today because he's dealing with that knee. They kind of gave it to Pollard. And it worked here and there but it put them into too many tough third down situations early. And at one point it seemed like they kind of just ditched the ground game and said, you know what? We're going to believe that Cedric Wilson can do this. Michael Gallup, we already know what he can do. Cedric Wilson had a huge 51 yard grab in this. Michael Gallup, a 41 yarder, Tony Pollard, I thought had one of the biggest plays of the game with an electrifying hundred yard kickoff return that lifted the Cowboys entirely. As this thing became kind of insane to watch from the eyes. It was not easy out of the gate for Dallas. I mean, you don't you don't have Amari Cooper, you don't have Ceedee Lamb that totally compromises what you want to do with their explosive passing attack. They just didn't look explosive early on. It helped to have Tyron Smith back at left tackle, uh, but they came in doing what I think a lot of us thought they would do against a bad Raiders run defense, which, which which was try to try to use the ground game. It, it just didn't really work. It kept putting them into third down situations. At one point, I think they just ditched that whole plan, and said, let's just start throwing the ball. They showed faith in Cedric Wilson, 100-plus yards today, and Michael Gallup, of course, we know what he can do. He had a huge 41-yard grab that set up a field goal. Wilson had a 51-yarder of himself. I mean, it wasn't really until, like, you know, second half that these big plays started to happen. They started to form up and creep up for the Cowboys and for for the Raiders, both teams, zero turnovers. It was a clean game on that front, not penalties-wise, and a lot of holding penalties killed killed Las, Las Vegas, but Derek Carr played a wonderful game down the stretch. They themselves lost Darren Waller, their star tight end, one of the biggest security blankets in the league for their quarterback, Derek Carr. I mean, he was gone by mid-second quarter. Hunter Renfro steps up with 100-plus yards. Deshaun Jackson, we talked about the 56-yard touchdown, the huge pass interference. I mean, they got him a couple weeks ago to essentially mask over the loss of Henry Ruggs. Uh, you know, it, If he can give him that every week, you're fine. I, I don't think it's, you're going to get that every week, but today he was huge in that game for the Raiders' offense. It, it's the kind of game that makes you wonder what the Raiders are capable of because they're now 6-5, and five, smack dab in the AFC playoff race. This was the good version of their offense. We haven't seen that every week. They can't run the ball. They still can't run the ball. It just—I I'm tired of that experiment. Although you got to keep trying, I guess. The Cowboys right now sit at seven and four. Um, you look at Washington. You look at the way the Eagles are playing, and the NFC East is no sure thing. But tough loss for Dallas. They've now lost three of four. Um, this was not a no-show like we saw against the Broncos. This wasn't the limited offense we saw against Kansas City. From one angle, I think it was encouraging against it. It was the Raiders' defense, but. They got hot down the stretch, so I'm not totally freaking out about Dallas. It's just that it's a tough pill to swallow the way this game went back and forth over and over, and to even be either one of the quarterbacks to tumble and fall at the end, it didn't feel fair. Other things happened in this game with a Thousand Storylines. There was a huge fight that caused the ejection of Kelvin Joseph, for the Cowboys and Roderick Teamer, for the Raiders, um, a special teams play, Total Madness. Uh, The halftime show was some man named, hold on, let me look this up, Luke Combs, a country singer. If you're, if uh, if I don't, I'm not a huge country person, so attack me as you will. Um, But he was singing and drinking um, who knows what out of a red solo cup, although I I think it was beer because he was singing about beer. Um, There are other things we could discuss here, but I, you know, I, I feel like this was essentially a save-the-season scenario for the Raiders. And if you're Dallas, teams have had to do this all year long. Win those games without your star players. We saw that with, with the Ravens and Tyler Huntley a week ago. We've seen it almost every week. And they fell just short. It would have been a huge um, moral and tangible victory to get to 8-3 and three without your two best wide receivers. It didn't happen today. Too bad for the Cowboys. They're still around. The Raiders are still around. Everyone's still around. Like all but three teams are alive and kicking right now. Let's take you to two more of those: the Buffalo Bills and the New Orleans Saints. You know, Greg Rosenthal. I'm at my house, and uh, people ask, like, "What did you eat for Thanksgiving?" I'm getting a lot of those tweets. Um, I ate. There was some leftover Indian food, so I had a couple pieces of naan bread um, and rice that was like roughly. Three days old, two days old. Um, Greg, however, is a workhorse. He actually um, flew to New Orleans. He is covering this game live uh, from the Superdome. And we're going to take you right to Greg at this point. Happy Thanksgiving. I just want to say thank you to everyone that listens to this show, to this episode, to every episode, the in-season, the off-season. I don't care where you are in the world. We thank you. We love you. Happy Thanksgiving.
0: Easily in motion. Alan looking at Diggs. Got it! Buffalo touchdown, Stefan Diggs. Simeon scrambled throwing end zone touchdown. Nick Van Nett hits the Saints on the ball. Makes a hand signal and screens it to brito Working inside with the speed to the end zone for a buffalo touchdown.
2: Ooh, Mike Tarico trying to Rico. Try not- Pump some life into that Superdome crowd at the end of a 31-6 to Bills victory over New Orleans to end this Thanksgiving recap in a Thanksgiving full of football. Thanks to uh, Mark Sessler for just a wild recap that I'm going to be listening to on my drive to work Friday morning. NFL Network around the NFL show got the plug in early. everyone listened to it on Saturday, but before we get to that we got to talk about uh this game and i 'm going to do it in a list because like lists are easy, and uh my mind is is not clear always, and uh everyone loves lists and so this is going to be like twelve things if you miss the game to know or to know about you know my life on Thanksgiving number one like I actually think you can take some things away from this game. And I'm going to do this 12 as quick as humanly possible. I think you can take some things away from this game from the Bills. Not that many because this was the B team Saints and it's getting late early for a lot of teams in the NFL like this Saints team. Uh, but one thing I think you could take from the Bills is that Josh Allen running the ball is such a big part of the Bills solving what defenses are trying to do to them. All the defenses are backing up. They're making them go down with these long drives over and over. You need a running game to beat that. You don't really have one, but you do have Josh Allen. That's Cam Newton from 2015. If they really wanted to use him in that way, Sean McDermott knows how valuable that kind of runner is. And you saw more design runs. You saw scrambles on the biggest plays of the game. And I think as you get closer to the playoffs, Josh Allen running – is so important for this team. I know it was only 43 yards on the ground, but it was like the four biggest third down plays of the game. He's either design run or he's scrambling uh, and he's getting it done. Uh, my second point, Allen was on point though passing. This is one of his better throwing days of the year. I know he had two picks. One of them, he was hit while he was throwing, but otherwise he fit the ball into tight windows. He, he was on point. He was accurate. If he does that every week, they are tough to beat. He is not normally that accurate. That was an awesome performance uh, by Josh Allen. Number three, Stefan Diggs. That route on Marshawn Lattimore. That was filthy, man. Like, why do you gotta do Marshawn Lattimore like that? He he not only threw that route on him, he looked at the man afterwards, and he, he just that's just like ownership. I, I know I know Diggs is not the all pro this year. It's probably Jefferson um or Devontae Adams or Debo Samuel or Cooper Cup. Like th- those are your top guys. For my money, I think I still take Stefan Diggs, maybe over all of them. He can do everything. He's my number one. Uh, the Saints team is driving me crazy, though. My fourth point. The, the Saints play the same damn game every week. It's tough to watch. The, I, I saw the craziest stat from Pro Football Focus this week. Trevor Simeon is the last-ranked quarterback in terms of their grades out of 47 qualifiers in quarters one through three. He is the number one-ranked PFF quarterback in fourth quarter, like people got on Jalen Hurts for the garbage time stuff. Trevor Siemian is the king of of garbage time, which gets me to my fifth point. Like I just want to apologize to Jameis Winston for some blasphemous things I said a couple weeks ago that they hadn't downgraded at quarterback. I said yet those first two starts, Team Trev was like riding the bus. The bus was going. We've gone over a cliff. Trevor's. Trevor's rough. Like, he's not going to survive without his tackles and without Kamara and Ingram, but it's still rough. At some point, we got a we want Taysom chant from the crowd, which is like, we even got it from Twitter, who, who loves clowning on Taysom, especially after that contract. And I'm wondering, like, where he is. Mike Tirico said he's got a foot injury. So the Saints are lying. They're, they're either lying that he's got a foot injury to make it sound better that they're benching him for Trevor Simeon and, and not even playing him at all, or they're lying on the injury report, because he's not even on the injury report anymore. They're lying one way or another. Wouldn't be the first time. We we got to see Taysom next week, Thursday night against the Cowboys. They can't keep doing Trevor. Point seven. Sean Payton's ag- aggressiveness. Very confusing to me. Like, no one has taken more cowardly field goals over the last two weeks. One against Tennessee uh one against uh Philadelphia when they're down two scores to to cut it you know to, to 10 or to 13 in those games and yet he's going out here on fourth down and he's calling for fake punts looking for Blake Gillikin to throw dimes in tight coverage to Lil' Jordan Humphrey it's like you know it's a problem when Gillikin and Humphrey not being on the same page uh is a problem for the Saints uh point number 8 I I'm I'm sick of the, talking about the Saints Tredavius White's injury is a problem for the Bills. It did not look good. He is so important to that defense. He, they are built to stop the pass. He's a great run stopping corner. Hopefully, it's not that serious, uh, but it looks serious. I just uh, I feel bad for for the Bills there, but I I am happy for the Bills to enjoy this one. Uh, point nine. The Bills Mafia taking over. Never seen it happen in the Superdome uh, quite like that. That was impressive uh, to go down there and, and take over a, a tough place to take over uh, again. Never seen it. Pretty awesome. Point 10. I, I want a little more from Drew Brees tonight. I got to I gotta admit. Like, I know people are giving him credits. Like, ooh, he, he talked about, you know, how to throw the ball accurately. And, he you know, all this. It's like you would have thought he was Trent Green calling a Jaguars game for half of this game. You wouldn't even know when he ever played uh, the Saints. Like, it sounds like I'm being tough on him. It's his first game and all that. But, he, you know, you're trying to take over. It's like Phillip Rivers when he was a rookie. You know, he showed up late for camp and he's trying to take Drew Brees' job. That's Chris Collinsworth right now. He's Drew Brees. He's on his way to the Hall of Fame. This is a big time. Like, you went right into one of the biggest chairs. He was kind of putting me to sleep. He was barely there for a while, so I hope it gets better. Uh, point number 11. I, now I'm into my my life just thinking about Thanksgiving. I'm I'm so thankful for so many things. But, you know, I was thankful for the moment today. And, you know, it happens every Thanksgiving. You know, when my my wife Emma is just carving up that turkey. She is so good with that knife. Like, she went to culinary school. I, you know, I, I see people clowning. Everyone putting the pictures out there for Thanksgiving. Their pictures, like you wouldn't be clowning the pictures at my house. It's some culinary. Shit. Like, I love my wife no more than when I'm seeing her with that knife. Mmm, some good food. And, and by the way, I'm not drunk, not stoned, I'm nothing. I'm just happy uh, that my Thanksgiving is wrapping up. Finally, point 12. Um, Yeah, I had a great day. Took the kids out early. Exercise. We played some tennis in the heat. It's hot out here in LA. I feel bad for everyone who doesn't live somewhere that's hot. Uh, I tired them out. Got them chill. And then had a great day watching football. Like I said, ate some bomb-ass food. Uh, And now I'm screaming to myself, alone in my bedroom, to no one. Who could ask for anything more? Uh, I hope you had a great day, too.